This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from our partially soundproof studios in Tallahassee, a place where the college students all seem to follow the rules of the road in their home countries. Today on Sunrise, we take an in-depth look at new rules from the state agriculture department that impose new limits on forest and agricultural burning. From now on, they'll have to check things like fog and the air quality index before lighting up an entire field of sugarcane remnants. Good news for hard-hit Bay County. FEMA has approved almost $160 million to help pay the cost of hurricane debris removal. Most of that's already been spent. A major kerfuffle at Rebuild 850. That's the organization created to aid in the recovery of the panhandle after Hurricane Michael. Former Congresswoman Gwen Graham has been removed as co-chair of the committee because of some tweets that were critical of the governor. We'll also update your calendar of events and check in on the latest from Florida Man. But first, we're taking care of business on Sunrise. Florida is a great place to live and do business. Let's keep it that way. By supporting the Florida Competitive Workforce Act, legislators can do the right thing. To remain competitive globally, we must be a welcoming state for everyone to live, work, and play. 11 Fortune 500 companies, 35 major employers, and hundreds of small businesses support the act. And 68% agree it's wrong to discriminate in employment, public housing, and accommodations. Go to floridacompetes.org. Tell your legislator to hear the Florida Competitive Workforce Act. And now the top stories for Wednesday, October 2nd. Democrat and former Congresswoman Gwen Graham of Tallahassee has been booted from the board of directors of Rebuild 850, a group set up to help the panhandle recover from the damage done by Hurricane Michael last year. Organizers brought Graham in as co-chair of the group to show it was a nonpartisan effort, but she was forced to resign after Graham posted comments on Twitter and Facebook critical of Governor Ron DeSantis. Among other things, she called him a mini-Trump. Tallahassee public relations guru Ron Sachs helped organize the rebuild committee. He says Graham's tweets clashed with their nonpartisan approach of promoting Hurricane Michael recovery efforts. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, the only Democrat holding statewide office in Florida, is not aware of all the details, but frankly, she seems kind of amused by the way it all went down. You know, it's, it's a funny time that we live in, and, and tweets are, are ruling, ruling our lives these days in our political atmosphere. Um, you know, I, I hope that, you know, that, that everybody puts aside their political differences, which is what we did here. Everybody needs to come together because uh, the panhandle needs all of the assistance from rebuilding. On her Twitter feed, Graham says her removal from the board of Rebuild 850 was extremely unfortunate, but that she will not be silenced. By the way, no one is saying her description of Governor DeSantis as a mini-Trump was wrong. They just don't like it. And let's be honest about it. If not for Donald Trump, DeSantis would not be governor. Speaking of the panhandle, there is more money on the way from D.C. The Federal Emergency Management Agency will reimburse Bay County to the tune of $160 million for hurricane debris removal. Florida Division of Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz says the feds have really come through for the 850. So look, we all know, obviously, this was a historic uh, event here, and it would take, obviously, uh, historic levels of support. That's, that's a true saving. So uh, that's money that's going to be deployed in all sorts of different things, education, mental health, uh, all, all sorts of different departments. So it's a really big deal that the governor was able to go not once but twice to Washington and, and make those requests and come back uh, and, and, and bat a 1,000 on that. I tell people all the time, this was, in my opinion, in Bay County, the largest cleanup mission I've ever seen. Almost 17 million cubic yards of hurricane debris have already been removed from Bay County at a cost of more than $145 million, and there are more invoices pending. Governor DeSantis says there will be more announcements in the near future about funding of recovery efforts in the panhandle, and the state will continue to play its part. Since we've gotten in um, to office, we've paid over, what, $200 million out the door 
uh, to the communities here in, in Northwest Florida. And so that makes a big difference because they're running on budgets that really are not going to be able to meet this. And so knowing that, 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 that those resources are coming um, is a really, really big deal. DeSantis went to Bay County on the very first day in office as governor. He'll be back next week to mark the first anniversary of the hurricane. A dozen faith leaders in Florida have joined in a letter-writing campaign from the Church World Service. They're writing to Florida U.S. Senators Marco Rubio, Rick Scott, and frankly, the rest of Congress, urging them to restore the U.S. Refugee Acceptance Program. Donald Trump has ordered that the number of refugees allowed to resettle in the U.S. in the coming year to be cut nearly in half to 18,000. That's down from the administration's previous ceiling of 30,000. And in the pre-Trump years, that number was as high as 95,000. The letter from the faith leaders claims the refugee program has been reduced by 75% since the president took office, and there is growing concern it could be eliminated altogether. Florida's Agriculture Commissioner unveils a series of changes in the way her office issues permits for controlled burns, and it will have a major impact on the sugar industry in the Sunshine State. Commissioner Nikki Fried says these changes have been in the works for nine months. You all know I can't paint on the environment, and I'm committed to big changes and new approaches. In some cases, today's enhancements are the first changes in nearly 30 years to this process. Effective immediately, I'm implementing the following changes statewide. Adding air quality index to the authorization process to protect air quality and reduce public impacts. Implementation of our new fire response system to provide better real-time information for emergency responders and wildfires, and easier to read user-friendly fire maps for the public, and updates to our smoke plume prediction tool to include the latest weather models. We believe requiring these practices for all prescribed burns statewide will make the process more sustainable and beneficial throughout Florida. And let me be clear, this is the first step in this process, not the last. Agriculture has used prescribed burns to manage lands for hundreds of years, but we must always be thinking of ways to improve the process. Jim Carls runs the Division of Forestry at the Ag Department. He says this is the first time they'll use the air quality index to figure out if burns should be permitted. Uh, once the air quality index in any monitor in, in the state, uh, there's 95 of them, 185 monitors in 95 sites in Florida, we will shut down burning when it hits 101 or greater. 101 is listed on that air quality index as something that is unhealthy for sensitive groups. And no, he is not talking about snowflakes. This is about people with asthma and other respiratory ailments. The new rules also ban controlled burns if there's too much fog. Carl says it traps the smoke at low levels, preventing it from dissipating. As of today, if there's a county fog advisory, we will not issue prior to 11 a.m. and prior to having at least 1,000 feet of visibility. So those two factors will determine in that area when that authorization takes place. It can take place after 11 a.m. if the visibility is good again. And usually, as you know, in Florida, that fog is an early morning event. Uh, it's a safety issue. It's ability to dissipate again that smoke and have less impact to the to the public and the communities of that area. Some of the new limits on burning are aimed squarely at the sugar industry in South Florida. Freed says Big Sugar may not like it, but the new change was coming. You know, as is every other type of industry that we regulate, when we go through any type of new changes, uh, we certainly check in and kind of work with them on things. Um, but they're a big corporation, and we certainly expect um, that they'll be able to manage whatever changes that we're putting forward in front of them. 
you know, a change is not easy for any industry. And so this has certainly been uh, something that they knew that day one. This is a promise that I made to the people of the state of Florida that we were going to be bold. We were going to come in. We were going to look at changes. Um, so we have definitely, you know, made sure that we have checked in with the industry as we do with any other type of changes in regulatory oversight for any industry and commodity. Um, they know that this was coming. And so um, and they will adapt. Or not, the sugar industry can always challenge the new restrictions on prescribed burns, but they seem to be on board with the changes. U.S. Sugar Senior Director for Corporate Communications and Public Affairs, Judy Sanchez, released a statement applauding Commissioner Freed and the Forest Service for what she called a thoughtful review of the state's open burn program. She also says many of the changes had already been adopted by sugar farmers in South Florida as part of their best management practices. Time now for your daily calendar of events. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is holding a two-day meeting in Cape Canaveral that will include issues like a new limit on blackfin tuna fishing, a boating safety report, and an update on Biscayne National Park fishing regulations. It starts 8.30 in the Radisson Resort at the port. The Manatee County Legislative Delegation is meeting in Bradenton to prep for the 2020 session. It starts at 9 a.m. in the Manatee County Administration Building. The Florida Supreme Court will hear appeals in two death penalty cases today. One's from Clay County, the other from Duval. The gavel drops at the High Court at 9.30. National Public Radio's chief economics correspondent, Scott Horsley, will speak at Florida State University at noon in the law school. His lecture is called Making Sense of Washington, 140 Characters at a Time. And several lawmakers who serve in Congress and the state legislature are taking part in a town hall meeting about senior issues today. That meeting starts at 1.15 this afternoon in Boca Raton. And time once again for the new adventures of Florida Man, who keeps us all humble here in the Sunshine State. An elderly Florida man has been arrested after Indian River County Sheriff's officials say he dialed 911 repeatedly to try to unlock his car. Dispatchers say the 67-year-old from Vero Beach dialed the emergency number three times in five minutes, saying he'd locked his keys in his car and needed their help. A deputy spoke to the man, discovered the car in question was registered to another person, and the sheriff's policy only allows deputies to unlock vehicles for registered owners. So the deputy told him there was nothing they could do and stopped calling the emergency number. Well, the guy waited about half an hour and then called again. So the deputy returned and gave him a ride to jail, where he was charged with abusing 911. And finally, anyone who's ever attended an NFL game knows you will pay dearly for a cup of beer. But would you believe 724 bucks for a twofer? Police say a vendor at Miami's Hard Rock Stadium by the name of Nathaniel Collier charged a fan $362 apiece for two beers at Sunday's game. They should have been about 10 bucks apiece. Collier used a personal card reader to swipe the fan's credit card, but the customer received an alert from the bank that included not only the excessive charge, but also Collier's name. He's now facing two felony charges. That's it for this edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee for Florida Politics.